We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Drafting a best ball mania four team that doesn't feature Russell Wilson. That's what we'll be doing today. I'm Stealing Bananas. I'm Ben Gretsch. You can find my newsletter at bengretsch.substack.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. You can find all of his great work at Rotovis. And coming soon, breaking down our last best ball mania four team. You were just telling me that you've had fun writing about it, other than the part where you have to spin the Russell Wilson element. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, it was a fantastic team then, at least. I mean, I'm getting pretty nervous here about these Dalvin Cook to the Jets rumors. I don't want him to land on Brees Hall for a wide variety of reasons, including the almost perfect team I feel like we drafted last time that does have Bijan Robinson, does have Brees Hall. We'll see what happens today. We put together a team with a lot of Denver Broncos, and that pushed Russell Wilson uh, more than around below ADP. We selected him with Kenny Pickett. We do like Kenny Pickett. We like the game stacks that we got with Steelers. Seahawks, we like the way that the Broncos team fits for so much of fantasy. But man, Russell Wilson, it is hard to spend. So we'll see what happens with that <laughs> today. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to He's, have you seen his workout videos? And I've lost six pounds this week. So I am also leaner, but I <laughs> would not go. bet on myself <laughs> as a good best ball mania four pick this week as well. And we hit enter, we immediately are in a league that's going, and then we do have the 110. The 110. Keep in mind, if you want to follow along, see all the guys that we liked, that we were starring in our queue, that were available, that we got sniped on, that we might not be able to get into the audio, and we'll try to do our best to get it all into the audio. If you want to follow along, go to the Rotoviz Radio YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe, like the video, do all those great things that help the channel grow. You can see our pretty faces down in the corner as well. But, yeah, we have the video version up. We got the 110, as you noted, Sean. Not really a fun place to draft. But I haven't drafted I, – I think my preference at 110 is probably C.D. Lamb, and I haven't gotten enough chances to get him because I haven't been, like, right at 110. And you can sometimes, like, 108, 109, get, like, Bijan, do some other interesting things. And then I've gotten some like 112s where Lamb doesn't make it there. And so I just haven't been like in the right spot to take Lamb. I think he would be my immediate like exciting, that's who I'm thinking about us potentially getting. What are you thinking about uh, 110? Do you do you like the Bichon? Are you interested in Austin Eckler this year? He's always, you know, an interesting one at least with the high value touches and everything. That offense could run a million plays. It's something I noticed in the projection. I mean, they've run a million on their own. Kellen Moore's offenses have run a million on their own. That looks like a team that could just have so much play volume. So I think Eckler's are, you know, an interesting option as well. Yeah, I think it's pretty crazy that he is going in the second half of the first round. Not surprisingly, this draft does start with Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Cooper Cup, and then we get that Travis Kelsey selection. Ben, I was joking with Pete on the best ball banana stand this week that I didn't let us draft Kelsey when we were drafting together. Pete, when he had control of the clicker, he did click Kelsey, so he put together kind of a, a fun team there. But he goes McCaffrey, Hill, Brown, Diggs, Eckler goes one spot ahead of us. I think that would have been nice. We took Robinson last time. We can probably pass on him today. I like what you were saying about C.D. Lamb. Garrett Wilson also climbing up into the 12th pick. He's also pretty interesting. Probably doesn't come back to us. But you're thinking Lamb here. 
I really like taking Garrett Wilson as well. There's maybe a slight chance that he gets back to us and we get this perfect build. So, yeah, I'm thinking Lamb. Got to click on him, though. Oh, we got beat shot. <laughs> we and look, we're, we're just getting started. We timed out. I think Sean was thinking that Pete was drafting for him, <laughs> like the best ball bandstand shows. Are you uh, log, locked out? or? Yeah, I don't have control of it. Oh, I know what's going on. <laughs> All, right. All right, so we're back on the clock, Sean. We got Bijan in the first. Amon Ra St. Brown is a top receiver available by ADP. He's, I'm really happy to get him. I had some really positive notes about him when I went through my projections process. But yeah, we had a little bit of a technical difficulty there. We auto-picked Bijan Robinson. Lamb goes right behind him. Garrett Wilson goes 112. Nick Chubb at 201 helped push Amon Ra down. We like to see that. Devonta Adams goes 202. So we start Bijan Robinson again, but this time with Amon Ra St. Brown. I think we can build a, a different type of Bijan Robinson team. It'll be a lot of fun. Would have been interesting to potentially do a full-on uh, zero RB team. We, we, you know, if we got Lamb, we would have had the Lamb, the Dallas Detroit correlation right away that is a very popular build so now look we, we did it for contrarian reasons Sean. contrarian reasons just i can't even really i mean if i explained exactly what the technical difficulty is i don't think listeners will even believe it so i'm, I'm gonna let that stay behind the curtain <laughs> i kind of want to hear it well you, you didn't have control you your mouse was on a different screen what, what I... well then you, you can't you can't click on the players in the shared screen. You do have to do it in the <laughs> You're clicking on the stream yard screen. All right. I've done that before. I've tried to click on the on the shared screen. Okay. So yes. I, that's that's tricky. You got two screens open. You got a stream yard screen, which is the program we use to record our podcasts. And I have for the, the YouTube listeners the draft board up. It looks just like your normal tab, but you got to click over to the other tab where you're actually on underdog as opposed to I mean, the, they, they want you to use their site as opposed to yeah. just a <laughs> random screen you're on there. Yeah, so we do take Bijan. I do have him. The panic in your face, I mean, was worth well, it. Was, was worth the Then it was going to be interesting if we did like a full draft of auto pick where we're explaining how the auto pick is the best pick every time through. No, I, I do love Bijan there. Obviously, I have him ranked fairly high, which is why we did end up with that as the auto pick. I, I apologize to you. That would have been perfect to have a CD Lamb team. That is what I want to do. But, I mean, he's got a great chance to do what Elliot and Saquon did when they came into the league. And, again, the contrarian nature of it in terms of can you build a good Robinson team? I feel like a lot of the Robinson drafters, maybe you're not, maybe that's wishful thinking, but I love the start where we have the foundation back and then we have Amon Ross St. Brown. Fill us in on why this is going to be such a smash. Well, in I was loving you. I was loving you given the, the bull case, but yeah, no, I, I think this is an obvious start that like we may have landed on anyway. We were saying they're talking about Bijan. I was talking about not getting a lot of lamb because I've been taking Bijan ahead of him at like, you know, 107, 108. Sometimes see Bijan go as high as you know 105, 106. Uh, getting him at 110 is about as late as you're going to get him. Amon Ross St. Brown doesn't really make it past 202 a ton. I do actually think this is a relatively you know unique. I don't think it's you know super unique or anything. There's going to be plenty of Bijan Amon Ross teams, but not a lot, lot. And there are going to be a lot, lot Lamb Amon Ross teams. So there's a little bit of a uniqueness factor there. And we are back on the clock here in the third. You were in that spot in the late third where there's it's a trickier receiver spot. Calvin Ridley just went off a couple picks before us. Not really a guy we're super in on. Brees Hall and that whole running back group has gone off. You have Jameer Gibbs and Debo Samuel as the top on our board in the queue here. They are the top for me as well. Looks like we're thinking Debo. You got Debo at the top of the queue. Yeah, this is exactly on ADP for him. And the three 49ers options are getting a little bit trickier to get onto your roster. I think if we're looking at the potential to do something with a 49ers commanders type of build, then you want to go ahead and lock the guy in where you don't have to reach. And it doesn't really cost you anything else. Cause there's no clear cut pick there. The other thing with Gibbs starting to actually fall a little bit, we can possibly get both guys. It would be both guys right on ADP. If we go Samuel and then we go Gibbs. Do you want to do Amon Ra and Gibbs on the same team? Do you have concerns about that? I do think, I mean, certainly from a team 
there's there's certain team stacking situations that are maybe not ideal. This could be one you I think you could argue both short area, high target ceilings. Um, that there might be some overlap, but I do think you're talking about like system systematic, like team play volume, pass attempt reasons that both of them could hit in a correlated fashion. I'm definitely in in on playing them both. I don't usually go out of my way to get Gibbs if I have Amon Ra. I, I see him as pretty easily the best value here. Is there someone else that you'd okay. like to consider instead? Nope. nope, let's do it. I, I do really like him in this range as well from a value perspective. And if there's not a receiver there that I really like, and obviously we like Judy, but Judy was the one the exposure that is getting. <laughs> if we had like five minutes, Judy's the one that I maybe would have talked through. But I think uh, because we got Bijan in the first, now we're, we're on another Bijan Gibbs team like our last one. So, you know, it's just like we got to mix it up somehow. But no, this is a, this is a fun team. I already like where we're headed uh, at quarterback in terms of stacks. I mean, I think. Goff is a really natural fit for this roster. You mentioned getting into the San Francisco-Washington game. I, I The market hasn't quite caught up on the fact that Purdy feels like a pretty safe bet to start week one. And with those weapons, it's, prob- it's certainly better for the weapons that he would be in at quarterback in terms of pass volume and the way that the whole offense would shape in, in statistically. Uh, so I like when we're making that Debo pick, I like the idea that we're sort of setting ourselves up for a build that could include Purdy late, or it can include Sam Howell late as well. If we start to hit on the Washington side of that game, it's a fun game to be in on when you're playing late round quarterback builds, which we are both, uh, a fan of right now, at, you know, this year, and especially right now in, in July and, in underdogs. So we have some, some fun options there. Goff is a little bit higher price than I like, but he's still somebody we can consider in a decent range. Ayuk right, goes off here, Sean, at the 501. He would have been somebody that wasn't likely to make it back to the 5-6 turn, but if he did, would have been an interesting way to continue to make a San Francisco bet. We see Godwin go. Deontay Johnson has gone at 48. I have not seen him go that high at 412. Have you seen Deontay go? I'm not sure if I've seen him go quite at that range, but he is just skyrocketing right now. And okay. the piece that i was looking at with the draft i did with pete we were on pickens and one of the things i was just contrasting there was just how different their profiles are how interesting they are pickens was the more expensive guy at the beginning but they have now flip-flopped and are actually pretty spread apart at this point and i think that the influence of projections probably has a lot to do with that yeah deontay johnson number five overall in targets over the last three years combined and i mean if you're talking purely on target volume you're still getting a crazy discount at the price he's at right here absolutely yeah no questions sean we are on deck now uh and you have two seahawks at the top of the queue kenneth walker has fallen well behind adp he does make it to us you also have jsn there it would be a couple picks ahead of adp to get our hands on him i'm comfortable going either way i i certainly the further we get along in this draft, Sean, that Bijan auto pick is starting to hurt a little bit because Kenneth Walker's a really nice play here, and it makes you wish you had three receivers at this point. But I'm, I'm comfortable going with a third running back and building a pretty hyper-fragile build. We're going to have to go wide receiver heavy after that. Man, just get on the right screen. That's our number one <laughs> tactical tidbit today. Be on the correct screen. No, I, I agree with that, but I also do like having the three running backs here early. One of the things that we see, this is a huge part of underdog in 2023, is that the running backs give you this huge edge in projected points, and that is going to filter into how the flex is filled in a different way than it has in the past. And that doesn't mean you don't need to be loaded up on wide receivers. You do. But if the draft gives it to you, like this particular one has with Gibbs and Walker, at least I think you have to take that. We are going to have a lot of fun wide receiver options going forward here. We'll load up on those guys. We'll kind of see how that develops. And I do think, though, that it pushes us probably off tight end early as we need to address the wide receiver position. But I've got three guys here who are ahead of ADP, but this draft is also trending ahead of ADP. We selected Mike Evans last time, Traylon Burks. Yeah, let's go Burks. Okay, he has the identical ADP. And I mean, every time I look back at him and see what he did as a collegiate player, whether you want to look at yards per route, yards per team attempt, dominator rating, he was absolutely dominant as a young player in the SEC. He's got that big body. They drafted him to be their new AJ Brown. He was not that as a rookie, both because he was hurt and the quarterback play was terrible. And yet 
when you hear what's coming out of Titans camp right now, and you think about the fact that they don't really have other weapons, and also it doesn't look like Levis is impressing anybody early. If you take Burks, you actually don't want Levis to impress because you probably need most of a season from Ryan Tannehill. Right. I just finished up my projections, Sean. I haven't done much sort of um, – but literally this morning, finished up my projections, finished up the podcast series I've been doing with Mike Leone over at Establish the Edge. And I haven't done much looking back and sort of, you know, I, I do when I get the whole sample done, like to go back through and do some comparisons and make sure I was, you know, because I do these over a lot of different days and you're in different moods, you're all these things. You want to make sure that you're giving each player sort of the same fair shake. And sometimes you came in a little bit hot on some guys and you can't really justify the efficiency of this player versus this player. So I still need to do some of that. But my initial pass, Traylon Burks came out as my wide receiver 21, just behind Chris Godwin, just ahead of Deontay Johnson, who does project very well for me still at wide receiver 22. Um, these guys are ahead of Amari Cooper for me, Christian Kirk, guys that are going much higher, Christian Watson, guys that are going significantly higher than either of them. But my Traylon Burks projection, my initial one, I mean, it came in pretty aggressive. Uh, and I think it's justifiable for the reasons you said, I mean, I'm looking at those same things and I do the projection. There's not a lot of target competition. I think there's plenty of room for him, even in a lower volume offense to take this step forward and really be the sort of alpha elite number one that this offense has had. I mean, you know, the, the AJ Brown comparison is the most obvious one. They traded for the pick to draft Traylon Burks. They traded AJ Brown and they were, you know, from basically a profile perspective, anything else that's sort of Traylon Burke's upside is and the hope, but also you look at the way that AJ Brown was using this offense, the way that they do a lot of running to build into play action, kind of an old school way of, you know, run to establish the pass. And those play action plays often have a design, you know, first element, the quarterback has to keep his head down while he's making the fake. And then when he hits his, you know, his drop, he looks for that quick throw right when he gets to the top of his drop it can consolidate target share is what I'm getting at to like, in a, you know, a specific number one player Burks looks like the, 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 the obvious guy that that would be in this passing game. So I haven't projected for a 25% target share. I think it's viable for him. I think it's viable for him to go ahead of that. That's, you know, like I said, something I'll want to circle back on, make sure I'm not giving him too much credit right away. But if he's anywhere near that projection, then he he's an easy pick where we took him. He is. He is. And we did slow down a little bit at receiver, but we still are ahead of the game. The last couple of picks as we head into our seventh round pick, the 7-10, Gabe Davis, George Pickens, Dallas Goddard, who would have been interesting, Trevor Lawrence. And Ben, again, it just keeps coming back to haunt us. The, the pick here would seem to be pretty clearly DeAndre Swift. I think that you can play for running backs early, but I'm also up for taking a receiver. But man, the value is terrible. It is, but I I do like Cooks. Uh, you have Brandon Cooks as our top receiver. I like that he correlates with our two Detroit plays. I don't take a lot of Brandon Cooks, but he is going to run a lot of routes for the Cowboys. He does have a that bring-back element to him, so we do snatch him. If Swift swings all the way back around to us, I think that's a good tie break. We're like, okay, at that point, we're going to have to <laughs> we're going to have to give in. But yeah, Cooks gives us a fourth receiver, another correlated one. We do take him there. I like the fit with like a Traylon Brooks as well, or Debo Samuel. We can talk about that more later. Elijah Moore goes right before us. He's another really interesting one. John Swift made it back to us. He did. And I was going to say Elijah Moore, that's more or less right on ADP. And anybody who's missed it, I have a, a full long article dedicated almost exclusively to him. I like that pick. That would have been an interesting selection. I mean, this is turn into a pretty interesting team though here with swift yeah i've gotten more into swift my early drafts i drafted more penny but in doing the philadelphia projection and writing about them i mean i don't want to be out on swift just because he's a little bit more expensive they're both good bets and in this case we're getting swift sort of behind the wide receiver window we took sort of transition players there brandon cook's and then Elijah Moore goes right in front of us. Zay Flowers goes one pick behind us. I consider this sort of the range where you're going in or out of, you know, you're, you're passing through the wide receiver window, if you will. I'm willing to take shots on these types of receivers when we have already taken three running backs or three detours away from receiver like we did in this draft. 
But even though we took Brandon Cooks there to get our fourth receiver and really make sure we weren't completely boxed out of receiver upside before this, you know, upside, these upside profiles sort of slam shut here, Swift still falls behind it, falls nine picks behind ADP. And again, like this Eagles situation, the reason I want to be in on Penny, the reason I want to be in on all of them, Jalen Hurts, we've talked about this before, led the NFL in design runs last year, a very dynamic runner, uh, but also one that they scheme to use the, the ways that he runs are going to impact the, the running back efficiency, I think even more than most mobile quarterbacks, because defenses really have to respect the Jalen Hurts keeper. It has led to really high rushing efficiency for Eagles backs in the past. I, I mean, Swift's upside in the past has been in the passing game. He's had a lot of receptions in the past. They have not thrown to the running backs a lot in this offense. Sean, zero passing TDs to the running backs last year. They run so much that Jalen Hurts himself had more rush attempts inside the 10 than he had pass attempts last year. They're a, you know, a run-in close type of team, but DeAndre Swift has shown efficiency, big playability as a runner. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the reasons that I've you know argued for Rashad Penny as being a really good fit in this scheme as you know an efficient runner who's coming into a great offensive line and a mobile quarterback, efficient running situation, it obviously can very well fit Swift. And if Swift just happens to be the one who wins out, this is just me talking through my own initial response that was, hey, I want to be on the cheaper option, Rashad Penny. And there's been some concern with Penny, you know, maybe from a health perspective, not being on as good a footing. I mean, Swift is the more likely one. He's just in a tougher spot often where, where you're trying to get that last wide receiver before the window closes. But but man, if he's the one who wins out, this great situation could still work really well for him and he could have a career high rushing, which is the, the sort of the thing that I came around to in my projection. Is that what you see as the upside for him is – uh, how do you feel about his receiving in Philly? I think that they will adjust to take advantage of some of his strengths and not necessarily in a huge way, not in a way that he's going to win because of that, but I don't think that he's going to get buried there. And then I mean, I, the more I think about this, Ben, the more I think that there's a, an outside chance that he'll be a first round pick next year. I think he can be that dynamic wow. in this Eagles offense. They're going to score so many points he is one of the five most electric backs in football. He was able to do it last year despite an ankle injury and a shoulder injury where he had to shy away from pretty much all contact You know, after the first month of the season. The upside is just absolutely crazy. And you know, barring an injury, which I do think is slightly more likely with him than your normal back, he's got a couple of things that seem a little bit chronic. But, I, I mean, the floor is also... <laughs> above where we're drafting him here and so you know once you adjust for the injury risk then maybe it all makes sense but i just think you have to load up as much as humanly possible we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You like him at cost even more than Penny at cost. I do. I love them both. I think the Penny actually is pretty undervalued as well. I don't. I guess I don't buy the idea that they would cut one of the most dynamic backs in football. You know, when we are back on the clock. Such an amazing deal. 
Back on the clock, you have Dak at the top of our queue. We also have Fryermuth in there. I really like him. We have not hit on quarterback or tight end. Sky Moore goes ahead of ADP, ahead of us here. We still only have the four receivers. You also have Romeo Dobbs, who's a name I really like and you just wrote about recently in our queue. Maybe it makes sense to wait on the swing back. I'm all – I'm whatever you want to do here, go for it. So we're going to grab Dak. We're going to build out that Dallas-Detroit game a little bit more. Sean, you're going to have to wait till round 18 when I get you into Josh Ferguson to double stack Dak. You're not even ready for that conversation. Ooh, that's going to be that's going to be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> but Frymuth and Njoku go here at the turn. We're probably building a three tight end team. Dobbs might make it back to us. I think he'd be a really nice wide receiver five. Loved the piece you wrote about him recently, comparing him in sort of ADP range to Devonta Smith from last year to Debo Samuel from last year. Make sure you go. Subscribe at Rotoviz and read all of these pieces because Sean has had some bangers lately. Uh, he does make it back to us. You comfortable with that pick? Yeah, I think so. It's been an interesting draft because we've gotten some great values, even in sort of a mini avalanche. The one reach we had to pull was Burks to, you know, just kind of stem the tide in that avalanche e section there. This will also be a reach by ADP, but I think it's dictated in this draft and also. You know, I, I do like the fact that if you're getting some reach picks to manage what you have to do with receivers, the fact that we've been able to balance that out with some great running back values uh, makes me pretty excited about this team. I mean, we're going to have to do some things. The reason I went yeah, ahead and clicked is... on Dak there is I don't know that you're going to get – even when I get Amon Ra, I often have teams that don't really have that cowboy bring back element very heavily – and then Prescott, once you get some, you know, Brandon Cook's highlights in camp, you've already had some of those from minicamp, then I think that there's a potential for him to be a riser. It just seemed to be a play that set up nicely for us there, even though in most cases I would prefer the cheaper guy in Goff. But if you're getting back at a tiny little discount and it was a flat area where nothing else jumped out, that's where I would take the QB as opposed to continue waiting. Did you give any consideration to the fact that we took Bijan Robinson in the first round instead of CeeDee Lamb? <laughs> well, if I had known that Josh Ferguson was going to come into play later, I definitely would not have pressed that button. So, hey, Josh Ferguson championship. Put it on the board. Who did we take on the way back there? Oh, we took Dobbs. Dobbs, I was going to say, yeah, you mentioned he was a little bit of a reach, but only a nine-pick reach by ADP. I, I'm, I think that's pretty justifiable especially because of the values we took at running back as you noted sky Moore had just gone well ahead of adp i think um more than nine picks ahead of adp or relatively close to the same gap that we reached in you know i'm putting in air quotes on dobbs and look we we took him out of turn there's no way he makes it back to us we needed to address upside in our wide receiver room there i i mean i'll I, I know you have to consider ADP value in these underdog drafts. I will go to bat heavily. And I don't think there are a lot that would disagree that that's not getting out of line in terms of um, where, you know, you have to let these drafts come to you a little bit, but the, that's one where you can go and get the player to a certain degree. Sean, we're almost back up. Speaking of values, Zay Jones, whose ADP is high. Okay, he goes. Thank God. We don't want to have that conversation. Anyway, oh, my God, Oral Beckham is still available as well. He's even higher ADP than Zay Jones. Um, you know, you're you're the value guy on this on this stream now. 17 picks out of, after ADP, would you take Odell Beckham? Um, no. <laughs> okay. So we, we have 22 seconds. Where are we going? Such a – We could take Goff. Such a flat, ugly area. I don't know if I like having both guys from yeah. that team. I don't like the tight end values. Rondell Moore? What do you think? Beckham? Are we back or to Beckham? Rondell Moore? Yeah. Okay. We can take more. I take a lot of him. Who got the pick off with one second. We almost auto-drafted Dalton Kincaid. That would have been great radio for you guys. For me, I'm just happy we got the pick in. Rondell Moore is our... Wide receiver six. Beckham goes one pick behind. Moore was behind ADP as well, right? What's his ADP? Right at, right at, yeah, 120. Right at ADP, okay, yeah. 129.9 and 130 are the ADP and the pick. We are we have to pick again as it swings back around. 
Yeah, they're uh, going to make us pick a, we... a second player in this really poor range. I don't mind the golf thing from like an advance rate perspective where, yeah, I mean, it's not probably ideal for week 17 to have both quarterbacks going at each other, but like we've already made a pretty big bet on Detroit's offense and like we're sort of betting on them all season. And then you also have both sides of, it's not ideal from a week 17 perspective, but from a full season perspective in this case, it's more QB capital than we really want to allocate, but you do click golf as I'm talking here. He was at a good price. It's a flat per, you know, spot. We have both Amon-Ra and Gibbs. And what we did was get both QBs at ADP values. And I think that anytime that you don't get an elite QB with an elite wide receiver early to set up that kind of dominant play, which then obviously have to build your entire draft around, not necessarily around those teams, but then making that work because the trade-offs are significant. Anytime that you don't get that, then I think you want to focus on these late QB options and at what dynamic builds you can have the, not just that you can build stacks, but you can build game stacks that include either week 17, also week 16, which can be a little bit undervalued. But if you're not going to go for those guys, and I put together a big piece, a lot of words on that, I think it's a really interesting question because late QB has not been effective in the past. We actually just published an article this morning, and Ben, you and I are uh, actually doing this draft on Saturday morning before you go on another little vacation. So that part is exciting as well, just from a, a human perspective. Blair Andrews, an article on the QB window. But when you take QB window guys, I think they need to fit your roster, which these two guys do, and I think they need to be ADP values. We got both of those things. And like you said, if we're going to have Gibbs and Amon Ra hit, I mean, you're starting to talk about a situation where Jared Goff, even without the rushing, and like last year, I was fine with it because you get great prices. I mean, this is a fine price too. I mean, this isn't taking away. It's not great game. though. We, we talked about we this. We didn't have anybody that we liked. I mean, we're just like, no, there's nobody there. I mean, we talked about him in the when we went through the QB window on a recent show and as like an 11th round pick being kind of crazy without any rushing upside. We get him at 12.03 here. But as you're noting, we, we've already made a bet on on the offensive environment. That's sort of the way that I'm thinking about it. We're betting on a lot of targets to get Amon Ra and Gibbs uh, to be hits in the same season. And, and that can very much happen for the Lions. They play a, a lot of shootouts. They play an aggressive style. They play fast pace. We saw some of that last year. That's one of the optimistic views of their season this year. And so if we are projecting them to be top five in pass attempts for the season. Then Jared Goff in the 12th round, I think, makes sense. So we do probably have our two QBs addressed here. One of the things that, I mean, isn't a huge consideration, but we want to, if we have a tiebreaker later on, we do have a variety of week nine by people. We can't take too many of those and still manage some of the positional allocations late. So that's just something to keep in mind with our tight ends. One of the things here is that Sam Laporta, probably my favorite player in all of drafts, he obviously has the week nine by. He goes early. Ahead of ADP, there. right? As you're talking about him, it's like they were listening. I, it, this has felt like a live stream draft. So, uh, <laughs> Are we live? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we are not. Uh, we've already had some technical difficulties. So, you know, that might have been. That we're been live. People are really be. having a good time with it. Yeah. Ben, we're coming back around. We're on the clock. There are no good picks again. Cole Komet. Nice falls you have Raheem Mostert at the top of the queue I was just looking at the week 16 matchups the Dolphins do play the Cowboys in week 16 and we have the Cowboys stack Cole Komet yeah I mean we could take Cole Komet okay so we're gonna I love it but so uh, after we make our next selection so the, th the pick there Cole Komet 148 ADP Raheem Mostert 171 ADP pretty big spread Mostert could come back around to us there are no real tight, uh, no real wide receivers in this range to get our seventh. And I have an absurd Tyquan Thornton exposure, so he doesn't really fit this team and isn't necessary to add in here. Uh, Curtis Samuel would have been interesting. I mean, I have we really had... high Tyquan. Oh, he goes. I was gonna say we. I mean, I guess we have six six receivers now, but I would have just said keep swinging on him. <laughs> <laughs> keep swinging. Yeah. So I, I mean, you're the one who told your... me a while, but like a few years ago, it's like you don't want the one team that's actually really good to not have the player that you. I mean, you got to just take them on every team. You got to take Tyquan Thornton on every single team. That is true. This is going to be the perfect team, and it's going to be one Tyquan Thornton pick away. 
that's, that's what it's destined for. <laughs> so the, the wide receiver value here is TJ Chark. We just did a show on not buying that. I'll scroll down here so you can see more of these players. Anybody that you are wanting. No, I want to wait at tight end to get the other two. I think there's a lot of interesting options late. You have most of the top of the queue, and he does have that little correlation. I'm willing to, to just snag him. And, and that's what we're sort of default doing when we let the clock run out there. We get Mostert. He is the running back five. We have a lot of you know really strong running back upside already. So Mostert, I think, just makes sense from a perspective of he caps us on, I think, a five running back build. We don't need to add a sixth. We could if it's the right pick, but we don't need to. He gives us, uh, you know, the you know potential viability on on bye weeks and, and whatnot. Obviously, it Dalvin looks Cook is increasingly in unlikely that the Dolphins are going to add Dalvin Cook. In which case, I mean, Mostert is pretty significantly undervalued. Great value again. I don't think people realize. I mean, he had a good year last year. He's older. Uh, they added Devin A. Chain, but I mean, Devin A. Chain. Is probably being a little overvalued. Uh, Mostert, 1,093 total yards last year. Ran for 891, had 202 receiving. Um, I was surprised by that. 1,100-yard season. You kind of feel like he was not, you know, he was the lead back last year, but then Jeff Wilson came over and he wasn't. But, I mean, 1,100 yards is a good, darn good year for a guy who is just in the same situation, more or less, other than, you know, uh, a day two rookie did get added to the backfield, but the market just does not really want to buy into him. There's valid concerns, guys like Cook, but yeah, I, I've taken a decent amount of Mostert as well. Sean, we have the Debo pick. We don't have anything from Washington coming back or anything on San Francisco, but you've put Curtis Samuel on top of our queue. That's a guy we've talked about on the show. Uh, talked about Washington potentially being a team where the routes get consolidated a little bit like Jacksonville last year. I know I've compared Samuel to last year's Zay Jones where sort of the boring veteran, but he's in an offense where he gets a lot of routes and, you know, the offense has to overperform a little bit. You would want Sam Howell to be pretty solid, but Samuel can be a pretty viable pick as far as our perspective goes, which is, you know, most of these wide receivers aren't viable picks, but Samuel, I think, is, and we need to tack on some receiver upside. So he's the one at the top of our queue, 174 ADP. We're at pick 178 coming up. Would love to see him make it to us. You have any other guys you're really interested in grabbing as you're setting our queue? Well, most of the other players, and we're into round 15, so you can more or less take whoever you want, but most of the players are going later. They're 17th and 18th round picks. So if Samuel can make it one more spot, that would be fantastic. I think it also does open us up for either Purdy or Howell in the last round if we don't like the other options. One of the things when we have a strong wide receiver group and a strong running back group when it's going to be five running backs and probably seven wide receivers or possibly seven wide receivers is that does allow you to do a three and three at both of the onesie positions. We're going to need, nice. obviously, three tight ends. What we want to do at QB is a little bit more. And certainly we got the two guys in the window. That's probably all we need to do. Ben, he makes it. Samuel makes it. That's great. Uh, looking at our tight ends, you have Mayer as our top tight end. He doesn't correlate with anything. I I came out of my projection for them pretty pessimistic about Mayer. I got to be honest. Oh, Gesicki goes. I was going to try to talk you into Gesicki, who does have the – oh, no, he doesn't have a correlation. Yeah, I mean, I would be going. Yeah, I like I like Wandale there or Terrace Marshall, either of the. I mean, Wandale's fine. It's a good pick. So we're gonna add our eighth receiver with Wandale Robinson. So my concern about Mayor Sean, I mean Devontae Adams, I think is gonna be playing for the Raiders this year, right? And is a, a target hog. They have both of the, basically their only other two really viable receivers are lower a dot sort of slot heavy guys. I don't really know how it fits with Jacoby Myers and Hunter Renfro, but they kind of have to play both of those guys in a decent amount and find ways to get them on the field together because they're, they don't have a lot of other options essentially for target earning potential. You have uh, Austin Hooper there. I think it does squeeze mayor a little bit. I mean, I think he can be good, but it's not a situation where I look at it 
for him to be able to buck the rookie tight end trends where it's like, oh yeah, this sets up well for him. It doesn't, it's also a team that has a really low, um, you know, expected implied point total for the, for the full season. Vegas is not in on them. They're not expected to score a lot of points. Even if he does, you know, get a decent role and earn some targets, I, you know, it's hard to imagine a, like a spiked touchdown situation to a stat line. So I've been a little bit skeptical of him, even though really like him in dynasty and his long-term upside of all the tight ends you have in the queue right now, Hunter Henry is the one I like the most. I was serious about Ferguson, by the way, though. I think he's a, a legitimate, reasonable bet in this draft. Shoemaker was a athlete, but not really a producer in college. Ferguson had a solid targets problem run on a small sample last year. And Dallas, even with guys that weren't really producing, Gallup and Noah Brown, really just let the same guys go out there the whole time all year last year, really consolidated the routes last year. Uh, obviously Schultz got all the, the tight end stuff. I think it's very possible that one of their tight ends is sort of their main guy this year. And Ferguson is the best bet for that. Not really a great athlete, not really a great college producer, but better than, I think better than from a profile perspective, the other guys they have there, even though Shoemaker <laughs> is sort of the new one to come into town. You don't, uh, I, the idea is that he can be Dalton Schultz. Dalton Schultz wasn't really special. He was a guy who consolidated the routes. You don't uh, think there's the potential for, or what? what's your thoughts on that? Well, I guess in terms of upside, in terms of trying to win the whole thing, yeah, you have that correlation benefit. And yet, I guess I wouldn't expect him to do that with the bet that they've made on a rookie. And I mean, if Ferguson was someone who was proven or a better producer in the past, that would be one thing. You've got a different offensive coordinator this year you have a situation where brandon cooks comes in and i think it makes it so the tight ends are more or less irrelevant i mean obviously how the offense decides to run it is going to determine some of that but when you have Gallup healthier i think that that could end up being a fairly wide receiver centric passing game unlike what we saw when they just they didn't have those other weapons all right are you good with mcbride as the first one here yeah yeah we can take mcbride we have Rondell. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're talking about in terms of winning the whole thing. I think when you're doing the late round tight end build like this, I guess I don't think, I mean, I think it doesn't take a ton to be a pretty significant win rate player for a tight end back here. I mean, Logan Thomas a couple of years ago was a guy that, you know, you have him in our queue now, but was going this late and um, I liked for similar reasons that year, Sean was like the ability to consolidate the the targets or I mean the routes and in a pretty uh, concentrated offense. Schultz did that and was still able to do that even when Amari Cooper was there and Gallup was playing a little bit better even pre ACL tear. So, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I guess I don't think that cooks boxes out the tight end position in this offense as much as maybe you do, but I do really like Hunter Henry as well, who we have at the top of the queue now. We took McBride. We have Komet McBride. See, I have pretty significant offensive concerns about those. We, I think you and I disagree a little bit on how much the offense matters for the tight end. I know you're very profile-driven um, in, in a lot of your analysis, and I am too. Um, but on some of these late tight ends, I'm, I'm – I'm willing to trust the projections process and some of the energy I've put into that stuff. And so I'm a little concerned about our target volume for commit. And no, no, we can go Henry. You're just switching it. Let's go Henry here. He's, he's from a profile perspective is I, I, I think he's a better bet than McBride and maybe even commit. I mean, Hunter Henry has been really good throughout most of his career. Not really sure why he goes in the last round, but we pass on Ferguson, which is fine. The point I was just making is I, I have, Pretty significant concerns about the the Cardinals have the lowest implied points for the season of any team. The Bears, obviously, last year were the lowest in pass volume of any team. Both of those could increase. There's a lot of paths forward. We like Komet and McBride from profile perspective, but putting them in the same offense. I am glad we didn't go Ferguson here and went Henry. I think adding Ferguson, because Ferguson has plenty of potential to be a total zero. This tight end room, I think, would have had a too low of a floor. It definitely has ceiling, and I see what you're saying about the profiles of Komet and McBride from like a dynasty lens. Guys that we liked can definitely be good producers, and if we're not always right on predicting team volume, which I've written about as well, 
these are the types of bets that can pay off when you're wrong and when the when the offense takes a big step forward. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, I'm just thinking out loud here. What What are your thoughts on that? Well, my thought on Cole Komet is that he's probably the next guy to take that leap. And he was sort of taking it in the second half of last season. And so you're kind of balancing two key elements. One would be that I mean, if we have the next guy who kind of makes this sort of TJ Hawkinson-ish move, that part is positive. <laughs> we obviously saw what Hawkinson did last season, and now he's very expensive in fantasy. And yet, even if Komet does make that move, he's going to, I mean, have a lot of that just eviscerated by the pass volume. Now, one of the things that's kind of interesting to me in maybe the fly in the ointment is just that Darnell Mooney could end up being pretty good too. The more I think about this, I mean, I think that Justin Fields, even at the aggressive prices, is a pretty interesting pick this season. But if you have the offense and anybody who, you know, is really interested in this, make sure you check out both Ben's article on it on stealing signals and the show we did on it for stealing bananas with some of these offenses that may be option heavy. And then you end up with a consolidated target shares for the top guys. If commit ends up doing that, he's maybe the other guy there with DJ Moore, And then he runs hot from a touchdown perspective, which we know tight ends can do. Certainly he has done in a stretch after, you know, a very long cold stretch. I think that's where you get the points. The part that I have been working with, this draft season is kind of how to make him work on teams because one of the things that we do want to do is if we have a guy that we like and he's an adp value and you don't have other players that you like in that range you want to go ahead and take him and yet i guess i don't exactly know where cole Komet's adp is coming from because i'm faced with this choice almost every draft where Komet is well below adp and so i'm like i like the guy i like the adp value but I have these huge concerns that you articulated. So uh, that part of it, I think, is interesting. I guess for me, the question or kind of the the final takeaway will be that, I mean, I'm really fighting to not select commit in drafts. And yet drafts like this, it seems to be the right choice at the time. And I mean, we could have gone tight end, tight end, tight end to finish and maybe had approximately the same result. But I do like Komet and McBride when, number one, they're not that expensive to start with. And then I mean, with McBride, that profile and the upside there at this price, I think I want to go ahead and make that bet. Those projection concerns and offensive concerns that you mentioned, you know, if you have to take him earlier, then those things become a real problem. If you're talking about the 17th round, I think it's hard not to pull the trigger. I'm glad that we have Hunter Henry. I, we have a lot of Gasicki, but if you got to the end of the season and Henry, you know, had eight touchdowns and twice as many yards as Gasicki, I mean, nobody would be surprised. Absolutely not, Sean. I think we should end here by talking through this draft, and then we'll we're going to do a follow up show where we break this down. I want to talk a little more about the shape of our tight end room, what it means to pair those types of profiles together. I want to get some of your thoughts on because I spent some time worried about sort of the floor and ceiling combination of the entire positional group as opposed to just trying to bake in a ton of upside in every pick. Although certainly just trying to bake in a ton of upside in every pick can work when you just hit on one and they're the game breaker. It can be pretty massive for you. It doesn't really necessarily matter if you have a lot of other depth. So we'll talk through that in our next show. Our... Uh, final results here, Sean. Bijan Robinson, the player we wanted all along in the first round. Amon Ross St. Brown, Debo Samuel, Jameer Gibbs, and Kenneth Walker in rounds four and five. Got us to three running backs in the first five rounds. We got Traylon Burks and Brandon Cooks to get to four receivers. Certainly light at receiver to that point than we what we like. But what we also always talk about is the draft doesn't really care what you need. You can't just keep chasing positions that are not the right value in the wrong spot. So from there... We went to DeAndre Swift for a fourth running back. We took Dak Prescott in a really flat area as our QB1. We take Romeo Dobbs and Rondell Moore to get a little bit more receiver firepower built in in rounds 10 and 11, where it started to make a little bit more sense from a value perspective. And then in 12, we take Jared Goff as well, a two-quarterback build with Dak Prescott and Jared Goff. Not necessarily our plan going in, not necessarily our plan early, 
but it is sort of how the those ranges of the draft fell. And as you noted, both of them were picks after ADP for us. And then from that point, <clears throat> down the home stretch, the final six picks included all three of our tight ends, Cole Komet, Raheem Mostert, Curtis Samuel, Wandale Robinson, Trey McBride, and Hunter Henry. It's a fun team. There's a lot to discuss, and we're going to get to that on our next episode of Silly Bananas. We will. We will. I I love this team, and yet at the same time, I do have some questions, which you know usually isn't the case. I mean, we're able to go out there and execute, take the players who are values by our rankings, who fit into the structure, who build up the correlations, the bringbacks. This one was a challenge. And so I think doing the postmortem will be interesting, seeing if we wish we had gone someplace else at a couple of different spots. And yet, I mean, it was still a lot of fun. So I apologize to Ben, and I appreciate the viewers. Could have had that CD Lamb team. We don't. As I always say, sometimes it's the pick that you miss on, especially if you get someone like Bijan Robinson, as opposed to uh, auto-drafting the worst QB or, or something to that effect. That is the pick that ends up winning you the whole thing. We'll cross our fingers. That's Stealing Bananas. I'm Sean Siegel. With me, as always, is Ben Gretsch. You can follow him at Yards Per Gretsch. Make sure you sign up for Stealing Signals. I know that Ben has just finished his projections and is going to have some really cool pieces on those as we go forward in July, make sure you sign up for Stealing Lines, the project with Dalton Cates. We'd love to have you guys over at Rotoviz. You can use the coupon code RVRADIO2023 to get a 10% discount on a one-year subscription. Uh, I've been saying that the price will be going up. Jump in right now if you want it as cheap as possible. This is an underdog draft. You can join us over at Underdog by using the code Rotoviz 100% match up to 100 bucks. Leave us a rating and review. Those things really help us. As I said, we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon.